every Christian's joy. I always like to use that acrostic. What is real joy? Uh, the acrostic joy, Jesus, others, you. If you get it in the right order and you get yourself out of the way, you can really have true joy. We look for entertainment. We look for all the things that make us happy, but we'll never find true joy until we put everything into perspective in the right order. So I'm thankful for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, for what he did on the cross of Calvary, for his finished work, and that we all get to go to heaven because of it. So praise the Lord. All right, uh, so next week, January 29th, will be our family day. I will bring a message that's spoken gearing towards the family, but there will be no potluck after the, the main service. We'll have Sunday school in our main service. We'll finish up our study on Jude. So, uh, and uh, haven't exactly decided uh, yet, but I will make an announcement of what we're going to be doing in Sunday school after Jude. So, um, and then uh, don't forget about the marriage retreat. If you haven't signed up, or if you want to go, I know we have one couple going, but if anyone else is interested, please let me know as soon as possible. Uh, like I said, I believe by next Sunday, uh, that's the cutoff for getting the uh, cheaper price. Uh, after that, the price is going to go up a little bit. So. If you have any questions about it, please see me after the service. Uh, or again, there's information in the back uh, there that will uh, tell you all about it. Um, February 5th, we will have Pastor Mike Wenzel and his wife Natalie with us. They will be, uh, he will be preaching all three services on February 5th. We'll be doing a uh, mini Bible conference. He's just going to be focusing on the Word of God. Our theme is, Thus Saith the Lord. And uh, that's our focus for 2023. And he's going to bring us a mini Bible conference, a man who's very well versed uh, in the Word of God. Um, and he's been in ministry for, I think, over 40 years. So uh, um, he's a great man, I'm, uh, one of my mentors. So uh, pray you'll be here for that on February 5th. Uh, also, on February 12th, the very following weekend after that, next Sunday, we will have with us Daniel and Lindsay Grover. Daniel, uh, they worked up at the, the camp there uh, that Crown College has. He worked for them. So I know uh, some of the kids are, are familiar with him. Maybe some of you all remember or have met uh, Daniel. Nice kid. But he has been burdened to plant a church in Libby, Montana. So he's going to be starting a church in Libby, and he's coming here. He's going to preach again all three services for us and uh, presenting to us his burden for, uh, for that area. And uh, we will be praying about uh, possibly as a church planter, taking him on temporarily for a number, uh, maybe a few years, to help with his, uh, his um, finances while he builds the church there in Libby. So, and um, one last thing, we are looking for more volunteers to help with the, month, uh, with the cleaning of the church. Uh, uh, so if that's something you'd be interested in helping with, uh, please see myself. Or, you know, you can uh, talk to Jackie about it. Um, I think they put the cleaning schedule out. But we, we could use a few more uh, volunteers who will help uh, with the cleaning of the church. The more that get involved, uh, the, you know, many hands make light work. So uh, the more of us that help in that area, I know when I already told her, I said Tammy and I will be up here hopefully after the uh, 18th, pretty much full time after Trayton's basketball tournament, and we will gladly get on that rotation and help with that as well. So um, with that said, we'll have our men come for morning's offering. And Randy, would you go ahead and pray for the offering? Father, we just thank you so for taking care of us, Lord, for bringing us the weather that that you've put in place, Lord. And Father, uh, we just praise you for all your promises, Lord. Father, that you'd never do us wrong and we depend on you. Lord, I just pray for today's message, Lord, that Father, you'd speak through uh, Pastor Jim, Lord, and, and that our minds and hearts would be open to it. And uh, Lord, that you would just give him power from on high Lord, I just ask a blessing on these monies as we gather them, Lord, that you would uh, just multiply them as only you can, and Father, that uh, we, we would use them to your honor and to your glory. Lord, and I just uh, pray all these things in the sweet and precious and wonderful name of Jesus. Amen.
We know who holds tomorrow, and I'm thankful that Jesus holds our hands. Um, we'll go ahead and release everybody for Children's Church this morning. Yes, I'm thankful that Jesus holds our hand, right? Um, you know, we're privileged to live in a beautiful state like this in Montana, but as I look out there, and something that has been very evident for my wife and I traveling back and forth is we're constantly keeping an eye on the roads and checking the weather and watching for storms. And, uh, you know, and, and it's already cost us one Sunday, of course, Christmas, our Christmas Eve service, we didn't, weren't able to have it because of uh, the weather, and we know that the, the storms come above, and that's, that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. If you have your bulletin or your handout, we, uh, we're going to be looking at the storms of life this morning in Acts chapter 27. So uh, before we get into that, uh, let's go ahead and open a word of prayer, and then we'll, uh, we'll dive into this morning's text. So let's pray. Heavenly Father. Uh, Father God, I just pray to you and I come before you and uh, ask for your guidance and direction. And again, I pray for this message that you'll fill me with your spirit. Use me mightily to deliver your words. It's thus saith the Lord, not thus saith Jim. So pray, Father, that again, you will be honored and glorified through this morning's message. Uh, Father, I just uh, thank you for the privilege of being able to preach your word. I pray for our congregation that they will prepare their hearts and their minds to be receptive to your word to apply it to their lives, to be used of you in a great and mighty way that we could reach this valley with the gospel that would help us to be that light that you've called us to be. Father, uh, again, we're just uh, uh, honored and privileged to be able to come together uh, in this house to worship you. And this is another form of worship as we get into the word. Help us to heed it, to apply it. And uh, again, as we look at storms and the storms that we go through, I'm just so grateful that when we want to wander in a storm, that Jesus is holding our hand, pulling us back in close to him. If we stay close to you, we stay close to our Lord and Savior Jesus, uh, we'll be able to weather any storm. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Acts chapter 27. Um, 
again, there's a uh, handout in your bulletin. If you didn't get one, just uh, raise your hand and we'll get somebody to get one for you. So, uh, Acts chapter 27, uh, we're going to be touching pretty much uh, everything, uh, a lot of ch Acts chapter 27, but I'm just going to read for you as a way of introduction into our message this morning, uh, verses 1 through 14. The Bible says, and when it was determined that we should sail into Italy, they delivered Paul and certain other prisoners unto one named Julius, a centurion of Augustus' band. And entering into the ship of Adramidium, we launched, meaning to sail by the coasts of Asia, one Aristarchus, a Macedonian of Thessalonica, being with us. And the next day we touched at Sidon. And Julius courteously entreated Paul and gave him liberty to go, into, uh, go unto his friends to refresh himself. And when we had launched from thence, we sailed under Cyprus, because the winds were contrary. And when we had sailed over the sea of Cilicia and Pamphylia, uh, we came to Myra, a city of Lycia. And there the centurion found a ship of Alexandria sailing into Italy. And he put us therein. And when we had sailed slowly many days, and scarce were come over against Nidus, the wind not suffering us, we sailed under Crete over against Salmoni. And hardly passing it, came unto a place which is called the Fair Havens, nigh whereunto was the city of Lycia. Now when much time was spent, and when sailing was now dangerous, because the fast was now already past, Paul admonished them and said unto them, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with, with hurt and much damage, not only to the lading and ship, but also to our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. And because the haven was not commodious to winter in, the more part advised to depart thence also, if by any means they might attain uh, to Phenice and there to winter, which is an haven of Crete and lieth toward the south, west, and northwest. And when the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, loosing thence they sailed close by Crete. But not long after, there arose against it a tempestuous wind called Eurachlodon. As I stated, we live in a beautiful state of Montana, but we also know how quickly the weather can change in our state. Uh, we, we, we know that uh, one minute it can be sunny and, and gorgeous, and the next minute it's dumping snow or rain on top of us. It can change in a, uh, just a matter of minutes. The greatest temperature change in a 12-hour period happened on December 14, 1924. The temperature in Fairfield, Montana dropped from 63 degrees Fahrenheit to 21 degrees below zero by midnight. This 84-degree change in a 12-hour period stands as the greatest 12-hour temperature change recorded in the United States. <coughs> Every year, we see visitors to our state that want to enjoy the outdoors, and sometimes they get caught unprepared for these sudden storms and quick temperature change, uh, changes. Montana does a great job of warning our visitors. People that come to this state often come here for one reason, and that's to enjoy the outdoors of Montana, to see the beauty of our national parks and, and to come into the Bitterroot Valley and, and hike in, uh, on our trails uh, all over this state. And Montana does a really good job of providing checklists to people, whether they're out of state or in state, uh, of what they should take with them when they go hiking. One such checklist I found states the following. It says, bring plenty of water. The mountains can get very hot in the summer. Surface water in the park may be unsafe to drink. Carry bear spray and know how to use it. Uh, mosquito and bug repellent. Uh, sunscreen and a hat to prevent sunburn. A day of hiking can expose you to more sun and UV rays than normal. Bring rain gear and layers for warmth. Weather can change quickly. Right? So 
here's this, this checklist. There's a little bit more, but the key thing I want you to see is only in Montana would you be told to carry sunscreen and, warm, you know, and cold weather gear, okay? Uh, because it can change very drastically. People have died of, of hypothermia in the summer months up in, uh, that got lost up in Glacier if they've got off of trails or, or got away, you know, in, in hiking around in the mountains in, in our areas. Um, so, uh, as they say, you, if you don't like the weather, just wait five minutes, right? So, it seems that regardless of the wise counsel the state offers, many people still fail to heed these warnings. According to the Center of Disease Control, Montana has the second highest hypothermia mortality rate in the U.S., second only to Alaska. So why do I tell you all this? Because it is similar to the walk in the Christian life. Uh, because uh, storms can come up in a Christian's life, uh, spiritual storms, just as quickly as physical storms can here in Montana. And, and something, some kind of trial or, or something may come up. And we need to, and often we fail to heed the warnings of more seasoned Christians when these, uh, or, or the scriptures, thus saith the Lord, when these things happen. We find ourselves caught in the storm of life. We come to the realization that we are ill-prepared to weather the storms in our life. How well do you weather the storms of life? Are you prepared for the storms that will come up in your life? And uh, it's not a matter of if they will come up, but when. We all will go through some kind of trial, some kind of tribulation, some kind of storm in our life. Um, and, and are you prepared? From our text this morning, I want you to recognize three central themes we can all learn from in order to weather the storms in our life. <coughs> and the first theme we see is a wild storm. A wild storm. And we see this in verses 13 through 20 of Acts chapter 27 here. <clears throat> and the first thing I want to see about a wild storm is it can be a sudden storm, right? It can be a sudden storm. Look in verse 14, it says, But not long after there arose against it a tempestuous wind called Eurachlodon. Eurachlodon is the name of the wind which blew in the Adriatic Gulf and which struck the ship in which Paul was wrecked on, just off the coast of Malta. It's a northeasterly wind that came up suddenly out of Europe, and being in wintertime, it was the stormy season. This was called a tempestuous wind, which could literally be rendered, it was like a typhoon or a hurricane. That's how bad this wind was. And they were caught on a ship uh, during this, this storm. And ultimately, it came up out of nowhere as it was a sudden storm. They thought everything looked good. Let's get underway. And shortly after getting underway, this storm catches them on the ocean. So I want you to see that it's a sudden storm. But understand, storms are inevitable. Storms are inevitable. John 16, verse 33 tells us, These things I have spoken unto you, that in me might have peace. Ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Acts 14, verse 22, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith and that we must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. See, God never promised Christians an easy life. He never said it was going to be easy. Uh, in fact, it's, it's not. It's, sometimes it's even harder because now you're, you're, you're more apt to, you know, when you're not a Christian, the devil really doesn't need to work on you, right? He's already got you. But when you're a Christian, now you're going to come under spiritual attack because he wants to destroy your testimony. He wants to make you look bad. So how do we handle these storms when they arise? How do we handle st storms when they arise? Look at verse 15. And when the ship was caught and could not bear up into the wind, we let her ride. We let her ride. First thing we see here is how do we handle the storms? We give God control. See, the, the ship's out of control. It kind of reminds me of a you know, country song. Maybe some of you are familiar with Jesus, Take the Wheel, right? Jesus, Take the Wheel. So the, the car's out of control. I, Jesus, you're under control. And here's the ship. It, it's out of control. Uh, the, the, the ship's being battered around by this storm. Well, who controls the storm? God. So why not just let God take control? 
And that's what we need to do. We need to keep calm in these storms as well. We need to make sure that we keep calm. Uh, oftentimes when a storm arises, something happens, we start to, uh, we start to freak out. And, and that's not what God wants. Psalm 46 verse 10 says, Be still and know that I am God. Right? Be still and know that I am God. God can deliver us. Uh, remember, he's, he, he knows what tomorrow holds, and he's holding your hand. Don't let go. Stay close to him. Be still and know that he is God. You must be at peace. Peace is not the absence of the storm, but rather the presence of God. It is not the absence of the storm that brings us peace. It's the presence of God. We can have peace in our storms. That's what separates us from a lost world. But not only uh, do we do that, but we must trust God. We must also trust God. Look, Nahum uh, 1 verse 7 says, The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. And he knoweth them that trust in him. Right? And he knoweth them that trust in him. So what, what is God saying here? Uh, God is telling the nation of Judah in this passage, uh, which has been suffering at the hands of Nineveh. The Ninevites treated the Jewish people horribly. They tortured them. And they, they did horrible things to them. But he's telling them that uh, they've been suffering at the hands of of Nineveh, and is that because they put their trust in him, he would be their refuge, and therefore he would deliver them out of the hands of Nineveh. Uh, and that, that's what that verse is saying here. So um, uh, the best example I can give you as a form of illustration is uh, a member of our church at, uh, at, French, uh, at the church that he came from, Temple ba or at Friendship Baptist Church there, uh, one of the members of that church uh, had been diagnosed with cancer. And I'll never forget him coming up to me and big smile on his face, and I knew nothing about it at this point, shook my hand and thanked me for the message I'd preached that day, and then looked at me and said, hey, I'd re I really could use a, uh, a favor. I said, absolutely, what can I do for you? He said, I want you to pray for me. I said, oh, what do you need me to pray for? Well, I have cancer. I've been diagnosed with prostate cancer. Uh, he had a PSA level count of over 1,400. Now, that meant nothing to me. I'm like, I don't know what a, I, I understood the PSA level count, but I didn't know what it was a good or bad PSA level count. Um, so, uh, I, uh, after I, you know, and here he is smiling, and, and, he, and he looked at me, and he said, don't worry, God's got this. God's not done with me yet. Uh, and so, I, I know he's going to take care of it, but I, I could really use your prayers. And that's all he asked. I went home, I, I called my stepdad, who, who's a retired surgeon, and I know he went through prostate cancer. And I called him up and I said, John, what is a, uh, a, you know, a, a good PSA count? And he said, you want it under one. I said, we got a guy in our church who has a 1,400, over 1,400 PSA count. He said, oh, that's dead man walking. He said, he, I, I'm surprised he's still alive. And I said, wow. You know, so we started praying and we started going. And, and uh, a week later, we get a text. I get a text from this brother and he says, hey, my PSA level's down to 760-something, I think it was, 730-something. It was in the 700s, almost cut in half. I was like, praise the Lord. And we continued to pray for him and everything. And he continued coming to church, smile on his face, uh, asking us to pray for him, uh, joy in his heart through the whole time, and before you know it, his PSA level was down under one. Uh, he's still going strong and, and still on fire for God. And, and so that, that encourages me because that's a, he, here was a storm that he was going through, and this brother of ours, and, and, and he continued to remain calm, and he trusted in God. But I also want you to see about these uh, sudden storms is there's a sad speculation. Uh, there's also a sad speculation. Look at verse um, 20. Uh, and when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared and no small tempest lay on us, all hope that we should be saved was then taken away. We must be careful as believers not to lose hope. And trust me, it does happen. 
Uh, we, we, even as believers, knowing that Jesus holds our hand, even that, you know, that we say Jesus has control or God has control of our situation, uh, we lose hope at times. Isaiah 49, 14 shows us the nation of Israel. But Zion said, the Lord hath forsaken me, and my Lord hath forgotten me. How about Job? Job, a man who feared God and eschewed evil, even he had doubt at one point when he was going through his storm. Job 17, verse 15 says, And when and where is now my hope? As, my, as for my hope, who shall see it? Right? So even, even if somebody so faithful as Job could lose hope, don't think that we can't lose hope. <clears throat> we can. But nonetheless, we must. That's why it's important to be around a church. That's why it's important that a brother came to me and asked me to pray for him. Because if he loses hope, I can still be there to lift him up. To help him through that. Because we still have, regardless of the storm you're going through, there's still things that need to be done for the Lord. And he doesn't want us to stop serving him, right? I think of a story of two frogs that fell into a tub of cream. One looked at the high sides of the tub, which were too difficult to crawl over, and said, it is hopeless. So he resigned himself to death, relaxed, and sank to the bottom of the cream. The other one, determined to keep swimming as long as he could, thought to himself, Something might happen. So he kept kicking and churning, and finally he found himself on a solid platform of butter and was able to jump out of the, the bucket. And that's what we must do. If, if we're going through a storm, uh, it doesn't mean that we, we, we lay in bed and sulk and, and pout and, and, and ask, why, God, are you doing this to me? Why do I have to go through this? Instead, we need to be busy about the Lord's business. We need to be busy doing the things that He's called us to do. We must, not, uh, we must never lose hope as believers because that's what separates us apart from the lost world. We have God on our side and we must keep swimming because guess what? Something might happen. That brother kept swimming and watched a PSA level count of a surgeon who told me that that was a dead man walking to the point that he's still going strong today. We have to be patient and let God work in our time of tribulation. Believers should never lose confidence because we know God is on our side. Romans 12 gives us a description of how believers are really supposed to behave in a time of storm. Romans 12, 12 says, Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing, instant in prayer. This is the perfect picture of how we deal with storms in our lives. Rejoice in the hope we have in Jesus. We all can rejoice in that hope. There is hope in Jesus Christ. I, love, uh, I heard a story one time. Robbie Zacharias was talking, and I, I watched this little interview with him, and he was confronted by an atheist. An atheist who said, he asked him, he said, uh, wouldn't it be awful as a Christian to sit next to a young child dying of cancer? And Ravi replied, you are right. The only thing worse than that would be if I were an atheist sitting next to that kid. Because you still have suffering, but then you also have no hope. See, as a Christian sitting next to a kid who's dying of cancer, there's suffering, yeah. But you still have hope. There's still hope. If that young child knows Jesus as his Lord and Savior, what are we, uh, what's he worried about? He's going to heaven if he dies. And if God sees fit to allow him to stay longer, then he can continue to serve God here with his life. So we should rejoice in the hope of Jesus. But also, we need to be patient in our tribulation, waiting on God, but being busy about doing what He has for us, right? Uh, because something might happen. So keep working, keep churning, keep doing, and continuing in prayer. Continuing to pray for our situation and having others pray for us as well. It's very important that we do that. Because when we don't, you know, we, we lose out on the power. We talked about that this morning in Sunday school. The power that's within us, the Holy Spirit. If we pray in the Spirit, then that's where the power comes from. We can know the Word of God and be a light, but our light's never going to shine without power, and that's the power of the Holy Spirit. 
So this first theme we have learned from derives from a wild storm. The next theme we learn from is a wise suggestion. A wise suggestion. We see this in verses 21 through 26. Paul reminds them of his earlier counsels, what we're going to see here. And I want you to see right off the bat in verse 21, there was an avoidable cloud burst. An avoidable cloud burst in verse 21. But after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, ye should have hearkened unto me and not have loosed from Crete and to have gained this harm and loss. Right? See, this whole storm could have been avoided. Go back to verse, uh, I think it's 10 or 11. I think it's uh, 10. And... and uh, Paul speaking and said unto them, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage, not only to the lading in the ship, but also to our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken of Paul. Paul, a man of God, trying to warn them, guys, I don't think we should do this. And they wouldn't listen. How often do we enter into storms in our life and we receive counsel from people who are much wiser than us and yet we think we know more than they do? Uh, I, I, one of my biggest things of when I was at Temple Baptist Church working with senior saints, I always encouraged our younger people in the church to spend time with our senior saints because there's a lot of wisdom. You know, there's a lot of wisdom there uh, and... and, uh, and, and Plus, spending time brings joy to the senior saints. To the, they, they love spending time. We had one, one man in our church. Uh, he, he had a complete wood shop. In his, his whole garage was turned into a wood shop. And he came to me and he said, Man, any, anybody want from the church would like to learn. I will teach them how to use it all. I will help them. They can build whatever they want. I'll help them build it. He built furniture. He built all kinds of stuff for himself. He was a master woodworker. And nobody knew it because nobody would take the time to go spend any time with it. We, we fail to listen to the wisdom that, sits, that, that is available to us through other Christians. Proverbs 11.14 says, Where no counsel is, the people fall, but in a multitude of counselors there is safety. Proverbs 12.15 adds, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he that hearkeneth unto counsel is wise. And Proverbs 19.20 adds, Hear counsel and receive instruction, that thou mayest be wise in the latter end. There are many devices in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord, that shall stand. The counsel of the Lord, thus saith the Lord, that's what stands. As I stated earlier, some storms are inevitable. But here we clearly see that some storms are avoidable. They could be avoided. How, how many times have we, uh, I've often shared with my kids, I call my parents all the time. And they're like, why do you call, your, why do you call and ask your parents advice so much, Dad? Because I don't want to repeat the numbskull things they did when they were younger. I mean, why, you know, why reinvent the wheel? It's already been invented. So I'm going to go learn how to make my own from somebody who has one. Not try to figure it out myself. And that's where wise counsel is so important. Think about the 12 spies in Joshua. Uh, the nation of Israel. Two guys looking to the Word of God, talking about God and, and saying, God has this. God, who can stand against God? You know, who can stand against us if God is with us? But no, they followed the counsel of 10 people who were afraid of men. They followed man's counsel, not God's counsel. And so, therefore, uh, we need to make sure that the counsel we are it come is, is godly counsel. But I also want you to see an advised courage. An advised courage in 22. He, he goes on to add, And now I exhort you to be of good cheer. For there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. So what is Paul saying here? He's giving an advised courage. He's saying, be courageous, right? It says, be of good cheer. The Greek word for cheer is euthamio meaning to be encouraged or to have courage, right? So he is encouraging them. He's telling them, have courage in this storm, okay? Because <clears throat> none of us are going to die. Uh, the ship's not going to make it, but we are, okay? Paul urges these men to be courageous and hang in there. 
I think of uh, when it comes to Korea, uh, famed World War II tank commander, General George Patton. He said this, courage is fear holding on just one minute longer. Fear is courage just holding on one minute longer. See, if you give in to your fears, you are on a path to defeat. But if you stand strong in spite of your fears, you are on a path to victory. And I, you know, you can't help but think about, uh, uh, I, you know, I um, love war movies and stuff. And I, I remember watching a war movie, uh, it was a documentary, and this man talking about how he was on a bazooka with a, and he's got a, a, an officer behind him. And trust me, enlisted guys, you know, we don't always trust the officers that are behind us, right? But he's got this officer, and this tank is coming over a berm, and he's like, I need to fire it. And he's, you know, he's telling this story about how I, I need to t shoot this thing. And he's like, wait, just wait. I'll tell you when to shoot it. And he's like, come on, sir, I don't want to die. But that's fear holding on a minute longer because when he finally told him to hit the trigger on that bazooka, he knew where the weak point in that tank was as it was coming over the berm was the belly. And he needed to see the belly because if he would have hit it as it was coming over the berm, the shell would have ricocheted because of the way the tank was designed, it was designed to ricochet those types of weapons. And so holding on just a minute longer. You know, don't let fear get your control. My life verse is Deuteronomy 31.6. Be strong and of good courage. Fear not nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, he it is that doth go with thee. He will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Right? Or he will not fail thee nor forsake thee. He will not fail thee nor forsake thee. He's always going to be there. We don't have to fear anything as believers because we have God with us, right? We shouldn't be given to the spirit of fear. The last thing we can learn from this wise suggestion is an apostle's confidence. We see an apostle's confidence in verses 23 through 25. In verse 23, uh, it says, For there stood by me this night the angel of God whose I am and whom I serve, right? So what's he saying here? He's, he's like... Uh, He's showing confidence here because he is seeing an angel of God. And he's putting his faith in, uh, uh, he's putting his confidence in God. That's what we see in verse 23. He's putting his ver confidence in God. Proverbs 14, 26 says, In the fear of the Lord is strong confidence, and his children shall have a place of refuge. Second uh, Timothy 1, 7 adds, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Right? So where is your confidence? Where is your confidence today? Let me ask you this. Where was your confidence during COVID? Did you put your confidence in the government? In man? Because there was a lot of craziness going on. And... Uh, my take was, if the Lord wanted me to come home and he's going to use COVID to do it, then I'm, who am I to question the Lord? I, I need to be busy continuing doing what I... Now, we need to still be wise about things. Uh, we need to be understanding of people. I'm not, I'm not advocating that we go against what the government said, but we also need to be wise and discerning, right? Um, so, the idea, though, is... Where was your confidence in that? Who were you trusting in? Uh, I put my faith and trust in the Lord to get me through COVID. And, and, and that's the idea. It's not just COVID. Uh, if it's cancer, if it's financial problems, if it's marital problems, whatever you might be going through, whatever your storm is, put your confidence in the Lord. Put your confidence in the Lord. But it's not only in the Lord and in, in God, but we also see in verse 24, he puts his confidence in God's word. Saying, and this is what the angel of the Lord said, saying, fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar. And lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. What did he say? Look, you're going to stand before Caesar, and all these men that are with you will be, will be safe. They'll be safe. So what's the Bible tell us about things? What, what do, do we tr if we're trusting in the Lord and in the Word of God, then get into the Word of God, know the Word of God, so you can put your faith and trust in it, and therefore you can, uh, and do you, do you, do you have faith in the Word of God, that it is the Word of God? 
1 Thessalonians 2.13 For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. Is it the word of God to you? We must have confidence both in God and His Word if we are ever going to get through the storms in our lives. So far, so then we have learned uh, our two of our themes, a wild storm and a wise suggestion. The last theme I want you to see in Acts 27 is a wonderful Savior. A wonderful Savior. <coughs> and we see this in verses 30 through 44. And the first thing about our wonderful Savior is I want you to see the mode of salvation. Uh, in, look at verses 30 and 31. And as the shipmen were about to flee out of the ship, when they had let down the boat into the sea, under color, as, as though they would have cast anchors out of the foreship, Paul said to the centurion and to the soldiers, Except these abide in the ship, ye cannot be saved. So what's Paul saying? He says, hey, if these guys leave the ship, they'll be lost. You stay on the ship right now until... God tells us to leave this ship, uh, you'll be saved. And what do we know about Jesus Christ? Salvation is through Christ and Christ alone. There is only one way of salvation. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. And there's so many examples of that in Scripture. Of if you do this, you'll be okay. But if you don't, you won't. Noah and the ark. Noah preached for uh, a lot, told a lot of people, look. God's going to wipe out everything. Uh, there's a storm coming. And he's told me to build this boat. And if you're not on the boat, you'll be lost. And only eight people survived out of however many people were on the earth then. How about Rahab the harlot? Hey, Rahab, you will be saved alive in Jericho and all that are in your house. But anybody outside of your home, they will be destroyed picture of salvation. It's a picture of Jesus Christ is the house. Better get in the house. There's only one way of salvation. And it doesn't matter what this world teaches. You better put your faith in the trust in the Word of God, which tells us there is none other name given among men, uh, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Right? Acts 4.12 <clears throat> So, there is, only one, there is only one way of salvation. I also want you to see there is only one word. There is only one word. They had put their faith in the Word of God, and that's where we need to put our faith, in the Word of God. Don't let anybody else tell you that you need to read this literature or you need to read this book. Those are all by men. Yes, this was penned by men, but holy men of God who spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So this is the Word of God. But they put their faith in the Word of God. Look at, look at verse 32. Then the soldiers cut off the ropes of the boat and let her fall off. And add, uh, look at 41, uh, well, 41 through 44. What we see here, uh, 41. And falling into a place where two seats met, seas met, they ran the ship aground, and the fore part stuck fast and remained unmovable. But the hinder part was broken with the violence of the waves, and the soldiers' counsel was to kill the prisoners, lest any of them should swim out and escape. But the centurion, willing to save Paul, kept them from their purpose, and commanded that they which could swim should cast themselves first into the sea and get to the land. And the rest, some on boards and some on broken pieces of the ship, and so it came to pass that they escaped all safe to the land. See, even the centurion's like, no, 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 we don't have to kill these guys. They're all going to get to land, and we'll be there, and we'll keep everybody together. But why? Because he put his faith in the Word of God. He put his faith in the man of God who told him the Word of God. He started to believe Paul now. It's funny how one minute he didn't want to believe him, and he had to go through this storm. But during the storm, he came to realize what? I need to listen to this man. I need to listen to this man. And there's really something I want you to get out of all this. See, Julius uh, has the soldiers cut the ropes. He's the centurion. This shows that he believed what Paul had told him. We also see in verses 41 through 44 a change in Julius. In verse 11, he didn't listen to Paul, but now he does. What I want you to see here is when witnessing to lost people, you have to be patient. 
They, may not, they might not be listening right now. But go through a storm with one of them. Go through a storm with somebody and let them see you. What, did, what was Paul's example through this storm? He remained calm. He was patient. He was giving them the Word of God. He was trying to build confidence in them. He was encouraging them. What do we do? Do we panic and freak out when a storm happens? Do people see us? You know, how we act in our storms or trying to help somebody through a storm really has a huge impact on that individual. We need to be calm. We need to let them know that God has this. God will take care of them. And especially if it's a lost person, and that's what he was dealing here. I believe everybody on that ship but Paul was probably lost. Paul and uh, actually I believe Luke may have been with him on this voyage. Uh, because Luke is the author of Acts and he's the one giving us the story. So Paul gave advice to the centurion that, he, that would have saved him earlier, but he didn't listen. But now in the storm, Julius has put his confidence in what Paul has told him in the, uh, and uh, from the word of God. Why? Because Paul remained calm, courageous, and put total trust in God and his word. So what about you? Isaiah 55.11 says, So shall my word go uh, be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. When people are going through storms, we need to be sharing the scriptures with them. We need to, that's how we encourage them, through the word of God, and tell them that God has this. That's what Paul did. He encouraged them through the word of God. But not only is there a mode of salvation, but there is also um, the mind of the Savior. The mind of the Savior. Look at verse 35. Verse 35, he says, And when he had thus spoken, he took bread and gave thanks to God in presence of them all. And when he had broken it, he began to eat. This is Paul. He's breaking bread with these guys and eating during a storm. When everybody else is thinking the ship's doomed, and they're all doomed with it. Romans 12.2 says, And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. See, Paul is giving thanks to God during the storm. So what does he have to be thankful for? The storm? God's deliverance. Uh, we, should we be thankful for the storms that God brings into our life? I think so. There's reasons why we go through what we go through. Why should Paul be thankful for the storm? It was God's will for Paul to be in that storm. It was his will to be in that storm. So let me understand, Pastor Jim. You're saying that God wanted him there in that he wanted him to go through that storm? Absolutely. Absolutely. What did God tell Ananias when he sent him to Saul, or who would later be called Paul? In Acts 9, verses 15 and 16, But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way. For he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. Right? Jesus is talking to Ananias there and he's saying, look, go to him. And Because at this point, Paul couldn't see, remember? He was struck blind. And he's telling Ananias. And Ananias is like, you want me to go see Saul? I mean, this is the guy, he's killing, you know he's killing people like me, right? And he's like, go, because I'm going to show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. And if you don't think Paul suffered, all you have to do is go to 2 Corinthians 11, 23-27 to see an inventory of Paul's suffering. The Bible says, are, there, are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In laborers, more abundant. In laborers, more abundant. In stripes, above measure. In prisons, more frequent. In deaths, oft. Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. This isn't his first shipwreck, right? This is at night. Uh, a night and a day have I been in the deep. He even spent a day and night in, in the waters. Uh, in journeyings often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of mine own countrymen, in perils by the the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, 
in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. So what purpose could God have for Paul to go through all these storms? Why do we have to go through the storms that God puts in our life? Well, first, we go through storms as a test to see how we will respond. I think sometimes he puts us, he tests us to see how we may respond. How does the individual respond? Remember the brother I told you about at Friendship Baptist Church? He was told he had a, I'm sure he was told that his PSA level count was really bad. But he had a smile on his face, he kept calm, and he asked the church to pray for him. And he never gave up. But not only that, how about his wife? See, he's going through the storm, he's dying, but he's not going alone. His wife is right there with him. She's scared to death. She's worried uh, that she might lose her husband. But you know what? She needs to be praying for him. She needs to remain calm and, and, and be there with him because he needs her and her strength. And then how does the church respond? Are we, those, are we one of those people that somebody comes up and asks us to pray for him? Oh, I'll be praying for you. But that's as far as it ever goes. There's a lot of that in the world today. I, I, I love it when I see lost people say that stuff. I see this stuff out on the thing. We'll be praying for you. Who are you praying to? You don't even know God. You don't even know Jesus. You're an unsaved person. Who are you praying to? It's just an idle thing to say that makes that person feel good at that moment. Don't be that type of Christian. What really makes them feel good is when, they when, you, when you hear somebody saying, you know what, I felt the prayers of the people praying for me. And hopefully you're one of those going, I was praying for him. Not, oops, I should have been praying. So, second, we go through storms because it draws us closer to God. Often God uses hard times to get our attention. When things are going great, we are not so quick to turn to Him. But when trials come, they often drive us to our knees in search of answers and comfort. Uh, I remember hearing a story one time about a man who, he was, he was a saved man, but he had become a prodigal. And he walked away from God. He became very wealthy. He, he very successful person. And in this interview, he, he was talking. He had lost everything. He had lost everything. He was dirt poor living on the street. And I'll never remember the statement. He said, you never know how much you need Jesus until he's all you've got left. Don't forget, sometimes we go through storms to draw us back to Jesus because maybe we're not as close to Jesus as we should be. And the third reason we go through storms is to help us grow. We can grow spiritually if we only learn from the experience. I saw a poster once that read this. It said, without rain, nothing grows. So learn to embrace the storms in your life. Without rain, nothing grows. How do we grow? Sometimes we need storms because they bring rain and they provide growth. And the last reason we go through storms is to make us stronger. Uh, you've all heard the saying, what doesn't kill you will only make you stronger, right? So I believe this storm was an opportunity for Paul to share the gospel. I believe in all of my heart that every one of these men became a believer through the testimony of Paul on that ship. Clearly the centurion started to believe things and started to listen to Paul. And I guarantee you, while the Bible doesn't tell us, I don't doubt that Paul, I, I think every person that Paul ever came in contact with, I believe he shared the gospel with every one of them. Paul is the most on-fire Christian uh, ever, ever. And therefore, I believe he was also telling them about Jesus, sharing the gospel, and I truly believe in my heart that we will get to speak with these very men. We will get to talk to Julius and ask him about Eurachlodon one day. So while it doesn't tell us that these men got saved, I believe they did. And I'd like to think that what we witnessed here, what this whole story, is a picture of witnessing to a lost world in times of storms, in times of trouble. And I would say the United States is going through a storm right now. And there are a lot of people who are seeking hope and not finding it anywhere because they're seeking it in the wrong places. But you can bring hope to a lost world.
So today we have learned about the wild storms in our lives and how they can come up on us quickly and unexpectedly. And if we give God full control of the situation, we don't have to lose hope. We also learned about uh, the wise suggestion. The wise suggestion that we receive and the importance of wise counsel in our lives. In times of storms, we must remain courageous and confident because we know God is with us in the storm. And finally, we learned about the wonderful Savior we have who is always there. He will never leave us nor forsake us, right? Through it all, we must remain courageous and trust in God because only through His patience uh, or through His presence are we going to be delivered from the storms in our lives. Remember, the, storm of life, the storms of life are not meant to break us. They're meant to bend us towards Christ. If everybody would... Uh, uh, please stand with every eye closed, every head bowed. If you're able to stand, please stand for a moment of invitation. <clears throat>